PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites. Archive, distribute, and display your photos in a flash-free, responsive website. Try one for free for 14 days at PhotoShelter.com. Get our latest educational guides for free. PhotoShelter.com slash resources. Happy first day of spring. You are listening to I Love Photography Live. This is Alan Murabayashi broadcasting from New York, the world headquarters of PhotoShelter, where I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, the very blonde Sarah Jacobs. Sarah. Hey, Alan. How you doing? Sarah, you're, uh, you know, the only way people are going to see how blonde your hair is by, is by going to watch the video on YouTube.com slash PhotoShelter. Because if they're just listening to the podcast by going to iTunes and searching for I Love Photography, they're not going to be able to see your hair, nor the other photos that we look at today. True. Very true. Listen to both. Listen to it twice. Yeah, why, yeah, not? why not? You know, really <laughs> digest what we're trying to say here. You know, every so often I get the desire to do something crazy with my hair. Oh, yeah. Not, not to dye it. I've, you know, many times I said, you know what, I'm just going to grow it out. I'm going to grow it out. And then once it gets... <laughs> even slightly longish, which would be like an inch longer than you see on my face right now. I go, I can't take it. <laughs> get it off, get it off. Get it off. And then I have to cut it. <laughs> I don't think I would look good with long hair anyway. Uh, yeah, the short hair suits, you just keep it. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Robin Thick, circa 2008 with long shaggy hair. Oh, that's not good. Let's not, ooh, let's not even go there. Hey, Sarah, you know, today's a special day. Yeah. Do you know because, why? Well, because it's the first day of spring. Yes. So there's hope in yes, there. Yes, there is hope, even though it's snowing. <laughs> and the other thing is, it's our 50th show. Wow. The oh big 5-0. Wow. That's great. That's fantastic. So I many can't... people celebrate 50 big. Well, you know, I'm from the 50th state, in case you forgot where I was from. That's right, Hawaii. I did not forget. Did not let us forget. <laughs> I will never let anyone forget that. Why don't we look at some uh, photography-related topics? Yeah. Uh, you know, here at PhotoShelter, not only are we known for our great websites, but we do a lot of educational stuff. And you're kind of the producer of those educational efforts now, Sarah J. I am, yeah. What do you got coming up here on March 25th? Yeah, so next Wednesday, we've got a great webinar with the Copyright Zone guys, who you may or may not have heard of. They've written a few books. They've produced videos with B&H. These guys are well-known within the industry. But if you're not aware of them, or if you are, you should definitely tune in next Wednesday at 4. It's a free webinar with them all about copyright. Um, and they, these guys are funny. They like to talk about everything in very like basic terms. They're not trying to, you know, confuse you with legal jargon. They just want you to know what's up and have the facts. So that's what this webinar is going to be all about. And just you'll, the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, yeah. Exactly. Here's their new book. Check this out. The Copyright Zone. It's Ed Greenberg and Jack Resnicki. Ed Greenberg, by the way, you know, there's a lot of IP lawyers out there. And some of those IP lawyers deal with photography, but very few of them actually do a lot of litigation. So there's people who kind of know the theory of IP law, and then there's Ed Greenberg. And how do I know this? Because every time I write something about copyright, Ed Greenberg's in there, and he's like, this is not exactly true. Uh-oh. <laughs> so he's always schooling me, so I'm, I'm super psyched to get you know, the, the dish straight from the man. And then Jack Resnicki, of course, being a great photographer and great educator, he, he, he teaches over at SVA. So these guys are going to ham it up and tell us what's up with copyright. 
Awesome. Can't wait. All right. So you can find more information about that on the blog at blog.photoshelter.com where you can find all of the links that we talked about today. Why don't we talk more about copyright? You know that site, Elite Daily? Oh, do I know it? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I can't really understand what the angle is, but they're, you know, they're part of this crop of new journalism sites like BuzzFeed and Mike and The Verge and Thought all Catalog. Thought Catalog, right? The Nouveau, the, the 2010s new stuff. Well, Elite Daily loves lists and they love appropriating content, to put it nicely. And we remember looking at this photography. This was photography of what people eat around the world, shot by Pete Menzel. And Elite Daily said, you know what, we're just going to put some of these up without contacting the photographer. We're just going to publish them. Like a lot of them. <laughs> um, and I don't know. They do millions of page views uh, a month. Um, and they sell advertising against those page views, etc. So understandably, Pete was like, you know, you can't do that. So he's suing them. Good for Pete. I hope that he registered his copyright. And I hope that he has a good lawyer, maybe Ed Greenberg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you never know. There's really there's like you know, there's like half a dozen lawyers that I know of that kind of regularly do this stuff. Uh, Ed being one of them. So go to town, and maybe you can treat yourself to a really nice meal after that. <laughs> that would be appropriate, wouldn't that it? Would be appropriate. Given the subject yeah. matter of the series. Yeah, and then photograph it. <laughs> and then photograph it. <laughs> yeah. We have a new feature here on Isla Photography. This new feature. It's kind of a gear review thing, I would say. Would you say that, gear review thing? Yeah, I'd say gear review, but by a chick who doesn't really do gear reviews. Would that be you? That would be me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would be me. Well, we have a couple guys at the office that actually do gear reviews quite often. They're the Brothers O. Young, uh, also known as the Bro Youngs, <laughs> Todd and Chris. Yes. Chris just had a baby, by the way. Well, he did. Congrats, his wife did. Chris. Yeah, congrats on that. But Todd does a lot of gear reviews. And I guess they sort of talk to you and said, hey, why don't you... Yes. They, I get all of my gear advice from Chris and Todd. They are so reliable. They know their knowledge is just immense. So I always go to them whenever I need a new lens or anything like that. And they, they, do, they shoot concerts, and so do I. But on a much smaller scale, I, sh I shoot concerts. And uh, they said, you got to get the Tamron 24 to 70 it's the 2.8. It's the best concert lens you will get. And I'm thinking, oh my god, like, okay, this is so much money, but I did it. <laughs> and I shot my first show with it, and it was amazing. Because let me tell you, I was shooting a show that was basically in the dark. I was basically in a room that was... It was as though the power was out, and yet the Tamron was able to focus. It was able to see way more than my, even my own eyes could see. It was able to focus. It got really, really sharp focus, and the photos turned out incredible. Okay, so first of all, a, mm -hmm. few, a few comments. Yeah. A lot of people make 2.8 lenses. Okay, that, yes. That's just a fast lens. So first of all, I mean, it's great to have a fast lens. And 24 to 70, to me, that's like the perfect, that's the zone. Yes. That's like the perfect focal length for kind of day-to-day -day going around documenting things. Totally. Well, I, I own three primes, which is a 24, a 50, and then an 85. So this is yeah, basically so you're right. like, 
Yeah, yeah. But the thing that everything doesn't have is that super sharp, fast focus. Right. Yeah, this was able to... I mean, this moment right here that you're seeing... I mean, this lasted for literally 0.5 seconds, but the Tamron was able to just take it right when I needed it, which is amazing. I recall that we gave one of these babies away. We on did. Our last webinar. We did. That person is so lucky. <laughs> Ed Connolly, I think was his name. His name was Ed. Yes, it was Ed. <laughs> so, in other words, Sarah, you would recommend this lens? I would absolutely recommend this lens. It is saved my life, and I won't shoot shows the same anymore. It's just, it's great. And of course I'm using a flash. Mm -hmm. I'm using my, my speed light with this and it's bouncing off the ceiling. And for most of these I'm shooting at like 125th, you know, F4 at 800 ISO. Just so, just to make that clear. Oh, at 800. Oh, you're really done. So are you ever going to try shooting at a really high ISO wide open? No flash? Not for this type of situation, no. It's kind of your look. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's like the sweet spot for me, the F4, especially when there's this much this much action going on in the for, in the background and foreground. Well, this gear review by a chick who doesn't normally do gear reviews is brought to you by Tamron. No, it's not. <laughs> she's just she's just talking about Tamron. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations on your new purchase. Thanks. Oh, so you got you got a 50 millimeter that you love from Sigma, and now yeah. you got the Tamron 2470. Yeah, I'm an off-brand chick. I don't. That's cool, man. That's 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 what I've been saying. Is like the quality of these third-party products has really skyrocketed. Yes, absolutely. So, all right, okay. Um, so apparently there was kind of a massive solar magnetic storm this past week, which allowed people as far south as D.C. to be able to see the Northern Lights, A.K.A. Aurora Borealis. And here was a photographer who is part of NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. This, you know, looking at on this little screen here doesn't do it justice. Let me explain this photo to you for, for those who are listening to the podcast. You've seen Aurora Borealis photos before. This looks like the hand of God shooting rays out of it from quite a distance away. Now, a couple years ago, I went to Iceland to go see Aurora Borealis. We had, I don't know, there's like a scale from one to five, as, as I recall, uh, the, of intensity. And when we were there, it was like a three. So you can see something with your visible eye, but it's not as brilliant as you're used to seeing on the photos, but it's still stunning. It's kind of, it's mesmerizing, and you can't imagine what, you know, Icelanders a thousand years ago were even thinking. They were probably freaked out when they saw this stuff. But this photo, you have to check it out. It's on Flickr, the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center feed. Look at it large. It is mind-blowing. You know, yeah, because I've seen a lot of photos, you know, of this, of the Aurora lights. But it's never like this. This really is like shooting rays towards the lens. It's really yeah. beautiful. And you know what? I saw Time Magazine had their best photos of the Northern Lights from this past week. And I looked at them last night because I said, oh, maybe I'll link to those too. And they weren't that good. Oh, well, we're only going to showcase the best. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's not that they were bad photos. They just didn't have the brilliance compared to this. This is the best photo of the Aurora Borealis I've seen from the past week. That's all. Well, hats off to this hats guy. 
Hey, Kickstarter, we talk about a lot because a lot of book projects and other fun photo things um, have been produced as a result of Kickstarter uh, efforts. And it looks like they are in Brooklyn talking to artists and photographers. Yeah, this month has been themed uh, fine art and photography. So they've been having a lot of panel talks throughout the month. Um, and I went to one last night that featured Ramka Hogwarts, uh, Amy Lombard, and Emma Rines of Magnum. Amy Lombard's a freelance photographer, and Ramka is a uh, photo editor for the New York Times Magazine, but also the producer of the blog, blog Mossless, which we've been following and we've reported on a couple times. Um, I, I go to a lot of panels, and this one was actually really great. And they're going to post it on YouTube, so we'll link to it when, when it actually does come out. They talked, a, they just had a ton of fantastic insight into the world of photography, both online and off. I mean, Amy kind of set the stage by saying that her Kickstarter in 2011 got her a job shooting Aaron Carter in 2014. So just how the internet has helped build and shape her career. Aaron Carter as in the boy band Aaron Carter? Yes, as in the little brother of Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and Ramka had some great insight as well. He discussed the shelf life of photographs online um, and how putting it into print can make that that longer, that, that lifetime longer for a photograph. And also really promoted the fact that early adopters of, of different social apps, they're the ones who are going to own it, which we've heard over and over again about from people who have a ton of followers on Instagram. And, yeah. you know, they're just early adopters. So he was like, just keep your eye out and your ears open for these new type of apps and platforms to be on and just be on them from oh, the beginning. There's just so many. I know. It's like, which do you pick? You know, I got on Yik Yak the other day. Oh, Yik Yak? Yik Yak, for those of you who don't know what this is, is very popular in uh, college campuses because it's like an anonymous location-based chat. So you can just put up, like, this class sucks, which happens a lot, and then people can anonymously comment on it. And I went in there, and it, it, it's... Uh, coming to the news recently because uh, a lot of really nasty, vile things are said there because of the anonymity. So I went on there to check it out, you know, the new social network. Let me let me try to own Yik Yak. I was like, I don't want to be here. This is not, these aren't my people. Yeah. Well, then I, that, I think that disqualifies it for you then. It's like, okay, this is not my jam. It's not my jam. Yeah. I, I do wish I had gotten on Instagram a little bit earlier. Oh, same. I did I did uh, reach the milestone of 1,000 followers. So I'm Congratulations. Very, I'm very <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, too, if you want to, uh, <laughs> at Alan3. Shameless that, promotion. Yeah, I know. Okay, whatever. Let's go on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, Medium has had a couple of pretty good essays in photography in the past month or so. Medium uh, was started by some of the uh, Twitter guys. Um, and here's an essay uh, entitled, The Rules of Photojournalism Are Keeping Us From the Truth, by Don Weber, who's a member of the Seven Photo Agency and a juror uh, from World Press Photo, the photo contest that has come under some fire in recent years for many, many different controversies over the judging. This is an interesting article. I, you know, I, I, 
I, I, we talk a lot about photojournalism and we talk a lot about the evolution that it's undergone, both from an aesthetic standpoint and then also kind of the truth and truthiness of photojournalism. It's almost a disservice to try to condense what Donald's saying because he's, he's obviously like a longtime photographer who's seen a lot of stuff. But I guess if I was going to summarize the thesis, it's that he, he thinks it's crap that people confuse the role of journalism, a.k.a. to tell stories, and the stories from the viewpoint of the photographer with the aesthetic of photojournalism, mm -hmm. where people go in and they say, oh, yeah, I shoot weddings in a photojournalistic style, or this is my style, I shoot photojournalistically, but have none of the training and none of the self-scrutiny that makes it real photojournalism. And so people have sort of appropriated the look, but not really appropriated the entire thing. So some of that gets lost. It's, you know, it's a lot of information to sort of work through um, and digest. But I think it's, I have two reactions to it. It's super valid. It's really resonant with me because it, it reminds me of a lot of thoughts that I've had about photojournalism. But on the other hand, I also feel that I don't know that the, the, the essay is going to make a difference in the same way that any thought that I have or anything, anything that I've ever written has not necessarily made a difference for the industry as a whole because people are tone deaf to this stuff nowadays. They're like, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they still just, editors want to see a, a beautiful image and they want to put a beautiful image on the cover of, of their newspapers. Whereas yeah, and, and people want to be seduced by the beautiful image, mm -hmm. right? even if the image is a little bit too perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he talks a lot about, I mean, he, he says any individual image is deceptive because there's no peripheral vision. But the, the peripheral vision, what's happening outside of the frame is what is actually very important, is the context of what you're photographing. And, and yeah, <laughs> he's totally right. Yeah, but those a, photos that are a little bit wider yeah. and telling a little bit more aren't quite as aesthetically pleasing. That's right. Yeah. There's a set of viral uh, images going around of, of historic uh, worldwide landmarks um, and from angles you haven't seen them from before. So oh, I remember us looking at those, yeah. There's an overhead shot of the pyramids um, in Egypt. And usually you see these pyramids and you think, wow, these things are in the middle of the desert. And this overhead shot shows you how close Cairo is like literally yards, hundreds of yards from the pyramids, just massive urban sprawl right next to the pyramids. Wow. And all you had to do was turn 90 degrees to see all this stuff or get an aerial shot to see it. And, and every photo I've seen of the pyramids in, in textbooks, history textbooks, online, I mean, I, I, had, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely right. You know, things lie. And you know, it reminded me of another thing when I went to uh, uh, Cambodia and I went to... Um, you know some of their temples and whatnot, and you and you and same thing. You know you see like Tomb Raider and you see these beautiful temples. What you don't see are literally the one thousand to two thousand tourists standing waiting for the sunrise. <laughs> you know everybody's roped off on one side shooting the the temple. Uh, it's 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 nutty. Medium, uh, yeah, good stuff coming up on Medium. We've been showing a lot of astrophotography. I, I don't know why, but I don't know. There's something like peaceful about it. 
Yeah. Maybe I'm getting into the landscape stuff. Maybe that Peter Lick stuff is kind of rubbing off on me. Uh, uh, oh, no. Uh, oh. oh, no. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, here's a photo uh, by Greg uh, Boratin. Greg was trying to shoot the Milky Way. And so, he, you know, he has a long exposure. And during the time that he's doing this long exposure, I'm going to guess it was about 30 seconds because that's what I was taught at the Rich Clarkson workshop this past year. During that time, you know, the moon came out and the moon illuminated the mountains. And also during that time, some clouds were hanging out very close to the horizon. And the result was something that looks like... Uh, the wallpaper on an uh, on the next version of the Macintosh operating system. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> you absolutely. Know? In fact, you know what, Apple, go ahead and license this from Greg. This is this would be a great. I'd put this on my my notebook and my my desktop. Absolutely, I know. I might make this my desktop background. You can't steal that photo. Oh, sorry, my sorry. Yeah, I mean, it would be homage. <laughs> it would be homage if you actually did that. But uh, it it looks it looks almost fake. Yeah, it does. But it is gorgeous, and especially as New Yorkers, like, what do we know about moonlight? Like, nothing. So we're like, oh my, yeah, no, we're like, oh my gosh, this beautiful moonlight on on these mountains. I mean, it's incredible. I, you know, I clicked on some of these links here um, to see some of his other photos. That's not what I wanted. I think if I click on his name, uh, and I was looking at the other photos, which are all fantastic, but yeah. that that shot was by far the best. Yeah, and that's what he talks about is just that opportunity moment when when you you've prepared for the shot that you want, but then something special just happens to happen right when you're there. That's, that's when you get the good shot. Yeah, Greg, you're the man. Sell sell that to Sarah for a, a background. <laughs> Better yet, sell it to Apple so that we can all have it. Yes, yeah, so we can. Yeah, computer. Exactly. Uh, Time Lightbox has a. Very moving essay uh, on the photographer Ian Willems. And Ian, uh, very close to his father, and his father uh, had suggested to Ian a few years ago that they take a motorcycle trip in South America, uh, which never happened. Uh, his dad was in South Africa riding a motorcycle when he was hit uh, and is now paralyzed. And so Ian flew out there um, to South Africa to be with him and then took him back to, was it Ireland or Germany? Yeah, Germany. Took him back to Germany um, and stayed with him for months to help him rehabilitate. And he documented a lot of this stuff um, along with kind of telling the story. And it's, it's pretty heartbreaking. Pretty heartbreaking stuff. Beautiful images, and he used Instagram yeah. to, to share his story. And, you know, of course he asked his dad, you know, would this be okay to document this time? And his dad was like, yeah, because he's always been very supportive of, of his photography and really a beautiful story the way he told it. And I love, the, I love the toning. All the images are black and white, but they're very low contrast. Yeah. The whites pop a lot more than the blacks. And... Um, I really, I really like that. I feel like most people doing black and white on Instagram, they, they do this very harsh contrast black and white, and this is sort of a nice, soft, a different approach to that. Well, and they do that harsh contrast because, again, I think it's part of that photojournalism aesthetic. To totally, right? totally, yeah. Yeah, whereas this is more of just long-form story. 
telling. So super. First of all, the photos are fantastic. The the story is incredibly moving and super interesting that he publishes it in sort of near real time on Instagram, so you can follow along. Um, just you know, you you think of Instagram as being. Uh, non-cohesive in nature. Most people's Instagram feeds, even if there's a theme, um, aren't really telling a story, but this is really telling a story. Mm. So I, I like the use of uh, images. And you know what? The the image I like the best, for whatever reason, well, I liked, I like this image. Mm -hmm. uh, a bus stop at night. It reminded me of um, the Swedish horror movie, Let, Let the Right One In, uh, which was remade in the U.S. But actually, this photo of a tree trunk. I don't know. It oh, really wow. resonated with me for some reason. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And I, I'm glad that he... Well, I mean, he's an experienced photojournalist, so yeah. he knows. But the, the, just the mixture of, of images from inside the hospital and both outside, just that whole... the whole story. Well, and Ian, you know, at the end, he has to leave Germany to go back to work, and it kind of crushes his father um, and Ian ends up feeling very, very guilty about it. Um, I mean, it's just, you got to read the story. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, we have two more Instagrammers of note to show you today. We've talked a lot about Paul Octavius, the self-taught photographer. I don't even know if you could call him a photographer anymore. He's like a filmmaker. He's kind of like a brand in and of himself. Yeah, Instagram star. Instagram star. Um, he did a set of images a while back. I think you know it's a series he came up with, and he and he took Pantone chips, and he tried to find the right Pantone chip that matched with the scene that he was shooting. And he would hold them up against the image so you could see that. And you know what? Here's here's a situation where you shot this stuff a while back, and then somebody catches onto it, and then they decide to publish it. In this case, MrPorter.com, which is a men's high-end curated online retail shop. It's the men's version of Net-A-Porter, for those of you who know Net-A-Porter. These are massive shops. And like many of these retail brands, they do a lot of editorial work. And they, they create online magazines to promote that lifestyle. Uh, and they picked up Paul's stuff. And not only did they show the stuff and, and write some words, but then they said, here is the clothing that sort of matches that Pantone chip, and this is what you should be wearing. So a really Smart. interesting integration of an existing series with text now with retail. Smart stuff. Go Paul. Instagram, man. People are found on Instagram all the time. Another Instagrammer and Twitterer and someone who we've we know, Pei Kitron. There's a whole uh, Apple um, campaign going on right now uh, called "Shot on iPhone 6," and it's part of Apple.com/WorldGallery, and they've assembled a bunch of different photographs from different iPhone photographers, and. Not only are they showing this uh, on the website, they've made this into a national campaign of billboards. So here's Pei's photo, which is lovely, 
and it's on about six different billboards here in New York City. And I've I've seen one. There's one just oh. blocks from my house. And she had tweeted out. She said, "Hey, can everyone take photos of the billboards <laughs> around the country?" So people would go out, and then they'd tweet at her. And I I took a photo uh, on a snowy day, and another guy took the same photo, but way better than mine. And I felt kind of <laughs> I was like, "Damn." Did you tag pay? I did tag Pay and she retweeted it, but she retweeted the other guy's photo too, and I was like, "Oh man, I didn't, I didn't know I was supposed to make it look good. I thought I was just taking a photo of a billboard." <laughs> Always make it look good, Alan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, congratulations to Pay and all the other photographers. The only thing I couldn't figure out is why they only used first name, last initial, and didn't actually link to these people. Oh, I was, I wondered that too. I thought, oh, maybe Pay is just going by Pay K now. But no, no, like everybody. Everyone. Alistair is, B. Yeah, like can you not get to their Instagram from... Yeah, you can't even, you don't know who they are. Oh, that's silly. Maybe they were like, you know what, it's not fair if we put up 100 photographers and link to their Instagrams because they're all going to get 100,000 more followers. <laughs> that's, you know, because I only have 1,000 followers. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Right, that's, that's what the Apple execs were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... Oh, hey, who's this? <laughs> That's a goofy photo of me. Mm. Yes, um, I recently got to co-host, again, um, the LPV podcast, um, which is run by Brian Formals. Brian Formals? Yeah, yeah. Who We've had him on the show before. We've had him on I Love Photo. Um, he's been doing a series where he interviews different photographers who are based here in New York and the first portion of the show is just a talk with them and about their careers and second portion is to talk about a specific photo book so uh, he asked me to be a part of the Amanda Jasnikow I can never I don't want to botch her name Jasnowski thank you Amanda Jasnowski um, who I am just a super fan of if you don't follow her on Instagram it's at Hoketoke Hoketoke Okay, okay. You yep. know, podcasts are like the big thing ever since Serial popped. I know. I feel like every photographer has a podcast. I know. It's true. Which it's... is, I mean, it's it's such an interesting notion to do an audio podcast of a visual medium and still get people to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's it's sort of peaceful in your car listening to Sarah J's voice. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we always like to end on a fun note. I don't know. I found these photos, and I, I had some real hesitations about putting them in there because they weren't so fun to me. They kind of made me uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. Well, you said this gave me the creeps. I know. Well, so photographer Alicia Rius uh, captured the Sphinx cat, and the Sphinx cat is kind of this hairless... Extremely hairless. <laughs> it's a hairless cat <laughs> that kind of looks like an angry rat. But, <laughs> you know, we've seen some really great animal photos, like portrait style, right? There's so many photo uh, photographers that have done really, really great studio in studio portraits, and these are these are up there. It's just the subject kind of skews me out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But they're funny, you know. You look at their faces, and they're, I mean, this one's standing up. It looks so weird. Um, and, and I guess, yeah, when cats don't have fur, they look really weird. Yeah, I wonder, is that like the skin of all cats? Is that what all cat skin I think, looks like? I think that's what it looks like. Oh, man. Um, 
she shot this in all natural light, even though it's like a studio, you know, setup look, because it's the it's the cat against a black background, mm-hmm. which makes the skin stand out that even more. It's really awesome, but it's all natural, all natural light. That's crazy. Yeah, I would not, I would not have guessed it. And these are three different cats in the series, owned by the same oh. people. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, you know, it it it. We talk a lot about psychology. And of the and the things that people photograph, but I would like to talk about the psychology of the of the person who owns three of these things. <laughs> they're creepy. They're not, you know, uh, you know. Some people are are dog people, and some people are cat people. I had both growing up, so I love I love pets, but I love like when the pet is like kind of furry. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the joy of having a pet is like the furry pet. You know, gets in your arms and like lies. And the cats, they love to like lie in your body or like lie in between your legs. I don't want like this. Yeah. <laughs> you want a cuddle, like a, a soft. Or a little cuddle. Cuddle thing. Cuddle cuddle yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, Alicia, we still like your photos. It's just the subject's weird. Take some. <laughs> take some furry cats now. Take <laughs> it. I mean, they don't have to be like, I don't want like super furry, just like normal cat. Take some normal <laughs> cat photos. <laughs> you need to balance out your portfolio with some hair. Yeah, totally. Well. You know, maybe she can go to one of the uh, the cat cafes that are really popping up all over the place. Huh? That's, is that sounds like a Japanese... Well, it started in, in, in Japan, and, and when I was in Kyoto a few years ago, I went to a cat cafe because I wanted to check it out. <laughs> and I, I decided my photo thing in there was going to be selfies with cats. <laughs> Most viral thing ever. <laughs> Total. I mean, you know, for for my photography, it was pretty viral. I think I got, you know, like five comments on it. Ra- Rachel at the office, who loves cats, really liked the photos. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and that was all I needed. That was all I needed. Well, um, well, they're predicting three to six inches uh, in the city today, um, and it feels. Uh, about 30 degrees right now. That's the real field temperature. But they said tomorrow it's going to go up to 52. So it'll all melt away and then we'll be in spring. What are you worried about, girly, with your blonde hair? <laughs> I know. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up episode number 50 of I Love Photography. Here's to the next 50. So for Sarah Jacobs, this is Alan Murabayashi signing off. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.